Go ahead and turn with me to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 1. If, if this is your first time here tonight at Foundation or at Grace Community Church, I just want to welcome you. Um, we'll get to hopefully meet you afterwards if, if I won't run you off. Um, but we're glad that you're here. You, you're at the right place, at the right church. Proverbs, uh, the title of my message tonight is called Insights for the Daily Grind. Insights for the daily grind. I'll start with Proverbs 1, verse 7, just just to read a text. Proverbs 1, verse 7. That's what it says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's argued that that's the theme of the whole book of Proverbs. That's the word of God, and I pray the Lord uses it to speak to you tonight. To infinity and beyond. Akuna matata. It means no worries for the rest of your days. You're exactly right. This week, I took my four-year-old daughter to Disneyland for the first time by myself. Normally she goes, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, keep it coming. Um, do what? She came back. Yeah, 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 yeah. We came back, uh, broke, tired, and full. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in that order. <laughs> um, but yeah, normally she goes with her mother and, uh, and with me sometimes, but normally they go, my wife will just take her, my two-year-old, and she'll just go for the day with them by herself. And most recently she did it, and she's two months pregnant with our third. Oh, yeah, for those who don't know, we're second our third. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Josh. Yep, yep, yep. I'll clap for that one. Yeah. Yeah, she's a, she's a rock star. She's, she really is a rock star. And I must admit, though, by myself, I was nervous. It, it was a long day. It was a hard day. You had restrooms, you had snack, you had lunch. My daughter, they require medicine to eat. So you're carrying around all this medicine. You want to go ride this ride. So you're running around this way. All of a sudden you see bail. You need to stop taking a selfie. Well, there's Goofy. Daddy, let's take a picture. It's just one thing after another. It was a grind. It was a grind of a day. And for looking at my watch, I was only there for four hours. Like, oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Can we go home now? Please have mercy. It was a very long day. It was a, the grind of my week, the hardest day of my week for sure. But much more than the grind of going to Disneyland with a four-year-old by yourself is the grind of life. Amen? Life is hard. I don't have to tell you that. But maybe you don't know this. The Christian life is hard. You need to write that down in your moleskin. The Christian life is hard. Just because you become a Christian doesn't make it any more easier. Yes, you have peace with God, and that surpasses everything. And the weight of sin is lifted off of you, but it is still hard. And the process of living requires work, and it can be very difficult. Career and marriage is a grind. School and success is a grind. Even staying healthy is a grind. You don't always want to do what you're supposed to do, but still, you've got to grind. 
You don't always want to go to work, but you've got to grind. You don't always want to study or go to class, but you've got to grind. You don't always want to go to the gym and stay away from carbs, but you grind anyway. Life is a grind. It is a grind. It is hard. And it's true for the Christian walking in God's will for his or her life. It is true for the Christian who is trying to walk in God's will for their life. Look at Proverbs 1 verse 20. It says this, wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. Uh, The wisdom of God here does not stand aloof as if she were too good for us. She, the wisdom that God gives graciously moves towards us into our real world where we live and where some of us struggle day by day. And wisdom offers us her very best if we will only listen. And with the overwhelming flood of information that we receive with sound bites and Twitter and TikTok and Instagram reels and selfies and, and apps with the news and whatever it is, we have so much information It's a relief to turn back to the book of the Bible. It's a relief to turn to the words of God. It's a relief to return to the words from heaven. That's a relief. It's a relief to slow down and pay attention to deep insights that have stood the test of time over and over again and over. And as we come to the book of Proverbs, God does not attend to crush us with layer upon layer of demand. He attends to help us. Did you catch that? He attends to help you. He attends to help you. The book of Proverbs is a practical help from God as we grind through the daily life. It is his counsel for the perplexed. It's his strength for the defeated. It's his his warning to the proud. It's his mercy for the broken. The book of Proverbs is a gospel book because it's part of the Bible. That means the book of Proverbs is good news for bad people. It is about grace for sinners. It's about hope for failures. It's about wisdom for idiots. This book is Jesus himself coming to us as our counselor, as our sage, as our life coach. The Lord Jesus Christ is a competent thinker of all times and and all cultures. He is literally a genius, and he freely offers us, even us, his unique wisdom in this book. You remember what we read earlier, how Jesus concluded his Sermon on the Mount. He defined the gospel as a call to wisdom. He said this, everyone who then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a what? A wise man who built his house on the rock. And everyone who hears these words, words of mine does not do them will be like a what? A fool, a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Jesus is our priest and he is our prophet. But in the book of Proverbs, we encounter Jesus as our mentor. We encounter him as our mentor. Do you see him that way? Jesus as your mentor, as your teacher? Let me tell you this. You can have him that way. You can have him that way. The universe's greatest expert on you, you can have him as your mentor personally. He alone is qualified to have that kind of say in your life. 
Think about this. No one ever outthought, no one ever out, uh, no one ever outthought Jesus, is what I'm trying to say. No one ever thought, outthought him. He was always one step ahead. No one ever surprised him or cornered him in debate. He was ahead of everyone, both of his friends and his enemies. He was a genius. Write this down, take this to the bank. Jesus Christ is the best counselor for all people in all seasons of life. He's the best counselor for all people in all seasons of life. So even in the small things of the daily grind of life, Christ wants to be your true sinner. He wants to be your true sinner even in the daily grind of life. That's where he wants to be. And when he is there, that's when we learn to be wise. And that's when we really learn to live. That's what this book is about. And tonight, I want to show you four insights from God for the daily grind of life from the book of Proverbs, or you you can call it insights for the daily grind of walking God's will. Uh, This book has been precious to me all uh, semester because in our community group, we've been going through it. And we ended, uh, I think, two weeks ago. Um, And so I've really been just deep into this thing. And I pray that these four things, which is just the tip of the iceberg, will just help you as you walk the daily life as a Christian. So four insights from God for the daily grind of life. So if you're taking notes, first thing is befriend God's wisdom. Turn with me to Proverbs 2. We'll be all over the book tonight. Proverbs 2 is where we'll start. The first thing is befriend God's wisdom. God will always lead us to uh, to him by his wisdom, and it comes from his words. In other words, God's word gives God's wisdom. And God's wisdom leads to God's will. Wisdom, which reveals God's will, is pictured as a guide or a path in the book of Proverbs. Look at Proverbs 2, starting in verse 1. It says this, My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom and climb your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for for her as for hidden treasures. Let me stop right here. Let me just tell you this. Do you want to know God's will? If you're struggling tonight and if you want to know God's will, then ask yourself these questions from these verses. Is there a commandment to obey? Verse one, is there a wisdom to heed? Verse two, is there an understanding to gain? Is there discernment to realize? When you answer those questions and you answer them with the word of God, Answer it with the word of God. Then you'll start to figure out God's will for your life. I keep going in chapter two, verse five. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Verse six, for the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So wisdom here is like a trail guide who will lead you down the path of his will. And wisdom is that head trail guide and it has two other scouts who will help pick the scent of God's will. And those two scouts are this, knowledge and understanding, knowledge and understanding. And he keeps going. Verse seven, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the path of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. 
So wisdom, it leads to walking in integrity, the path of justice, the way of his godly ones. Then verse nine, he keeps going. Then you'll discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. So then that course or that path of God's will will be clearly marked out to you. That's what he's saying here. Then verse 10, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil. So stop here. So here is saying on the path of God's will, these scouts, knowledge and understanding, they will guard you and protect you from making a wrong turn to the way of evil. And verse 12 continues, from the man who speaks perverse things. From verse 13, from those who lead the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So knowledge and understanding doesn't only protect you from the evil way, but also from those on the evil way who would stray you onto this evil path. And those on the wrong path, they want to lure you. They want to suck you into their crooked ways, away away from the straight and narrow path of his will. That's what knowledge and understanding protects you from. Proverbs 2, let's keep going. 16, verse 16, to deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters, flatters with her words, that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead to the dead. None who go to her return again nor do they reach the paths of life. So likewise, uh, wisdom, like a trail guide, that wants to steer us clear from the adulteress who seeks to destroy others. Uh, This evil path literally leads to hell. This is a one-way ticket to destruction. That's what this proverb is talking about. You can't reach the paths of life from her house. It will lead you straight to destruction, straight to hell. Then the last three verses, verse 20. So you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. Let me tell you, your only hope of knowing God's will is to travel with good and godly men and women down the paths of righteousness. And as you follow the direction of wisdom now on the path of righteousness, we discover in this chapter that God protects and he directs and he perfects our steps. So what's this chapter saying? What is Proverbs 2 all about? About knowing and doing God's will, about befriending wisdom. Well, we saw God's will is like a path, a, a path called the path of life or the path of righteousness. And in order to discover this path, we must have a guide, a guide, a guide called wisdom. And wisdom always has these scouts with him called knowledge and understanding, which come from God's word. And wisdom will always be steering steering us away from evil, the crooked path, and away from those that travel on that path who will seek to lure us off the righteousness way and the righteousness path. All this underscores, this whole chapter, it shows us how valuable wisdom is. How valuable wisdom is. Without wisdom, you can't find God's will. Without wisdom, you can't stay on God's will. So how do we acquire God's wisdom is the question. How do we acquire it? 
But wisdom is found primarily in God's word and specifically in the book of Proverbs. It's a book about wisdom. Wisdom is the practical application of God's truth, translating it into daily living in skillful ways. Wisdom is translating eternal truth into daily living. Wisdom is translating heavenly truth into earthly living. This requires, Christian, that you read God's word daily, that you're to saturate yourself with its truths, that you meditate upon it, and that you put it into practice in your life. That's what it requires. Wisdom is not automatic for us. It's not automatic for you. It's not automatic for me. Wisdom is not our default setting. We will never get there by drifting. Wisdom is a grind. It's a grind. And this is the insight from heaven for the daily grind of life. God is offering you a treasure infinitely worth seeking, more of himself entering into you, renewing you, and safeguarding you. That's what God is offering you through this book, through the Bible, through Proverbs, through the rest of the 65 books. I don't know what your personal need is today. I don't know what it is. Some of you have had a great week. Some of you have had an awful week. All hell has broke loose in your life. But I know this, God is saying to you through Proverbs 2, through this chapter, he's saying, my child, I am so available. I am so available if you want me more than you want your status quo. I am here. I am available. I am here for you if you want me. He is not saying, if you seek me, I will love you more. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, if you seek me, you will find me for all that I am worth. And friend, God is worth more than anything you can ever own. He is worth more than you can possibly imagine. And he is saying, I am here. I have given you my very word. Friend, the Bible is the mouth of God today. It's not a voice speaking within our minds, but the Bible lying open before our open eyes. It's the word of God. It comes from heaven's throne room. So you want insight for the daily ground of life? You need to be freeing God's wisdom. Or put it another way, you need to find this book, the dearest treasure of your life. You need to read it. You need to meditate upon it. You need to get it inside into your DNA, and you need to apply it to your life. You need to befriend God's wisdom. You need to befriend God himself in order to get through the daily grind of life. Your most meaningful prayers from verse three says this, to cry out for discernment and to lift your voice from understanding. The whole, this whole passage, passage is meant to position us in that place of protection and blessing. And we need it, right? Uh, there's a tsunami of sin in our world. I don't have to tell you what's going on. You know what this month represents, you know, and I use that lightly. There's a tsunami of sin all around us, and we're all suffering under it. Sometimes that suffering is our own fault because 
We have been complacent and unguarded. Other times that suffering is precisely because we have stayed true to the Lord. And however you're suffering, your real business is with Christ. It is with Christ. He's saying to us here in his word, come to me, deal with me. I'm able to restore you out of your past failings and defend you for the future. Hurl yourself at me in all your need, and I will give myself to you in all my grace. My wisdom will enter your heart in ways you've never known before. That's befriending God's wisdom, and it comes from his word. Do you read his word? I'll just ask you just hypothetically to yourself and be honest with yourself. Did you read the Bible today? When's the last time you read it? No wonder you're struggling to get through the daily grind of life if you're not spending time with the God of Satan. He makes himself available personally to you. This is the most priceless thing that you own. This book should be your best friend. Is that true in your life? So insight for number number one, for the daily grind of walking God's will, befriend God's wisdom. Befriend God's wisdom. Number two, taking notes, exercise your faith. Exercise your faith. Turn with me to Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3, exercise your faith. So knowing and doing and experiencing, experiencing God's will requires steps of faith on our part a full trust on our part that God knows what he is doing. In other words, God can't steer a parked car. You actually have to drive. You actually have to get in the car and mash the gas. He can't steer a parked car. Look at Proverbs 3, and this is probably the most famous verses in the book of Proverbs. Verse, uh, Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. What he's saying is there, put your full trust in God. You're doing what he says to do. You're going where he says to go. You're bringing what he says to bring. You're leaving behind what he says to leave behind. That's what faith is. That's what faith is. Faith is no matter what outward appearance or no matter if hell, all hell breaks loose in my life, I choose to trust in God. That's what faith is. I don't care what others think. I don't care what's happening. I choose to trust God. My faith is in God. I trust in the Lord with all my heart. Verse five continues, and do not lean on your what? Own understanding. You're not trying to understand it all. You're not trying to figure it out. Guess what? You ain't God. God is God. Let him be God. You're not trying to figure it all out. Verse six, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Just simply acknowledge him, his sovereignty to call the shots, his sufficiency to meet your needs, his strength to remove all your obstacles, his steadfastness to see it through the end. You just simply acknowledge him for who he is, that he's in control of all things. Everything in your life he's in control of. You just acknowledge that, that you are nothing and he is God. And verse six continues, And he will make your paths, what? 
straight. Literally, he will clear obstructions so as to enable you to go forward into his will for your life. That means God will remove the barriers and he'll make a way when previously there was no way, bringing one to the appointed goal. God will always make a way when there seems to be no way. And some of you can testify to that. I know I can. He always makes a way when there seems to be no way. Let God be God. That's what he'll do. So what are these verses saying? The most famous verses in Proverbs, arguably. What are they saying? Well, first of all, it's more than a t-shirt. It's more than a bumper sticker. It's more than a social media post. It's way more than that. It's much more than that. These verses are saying that our confidence is not some impersonal ethic, but the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That's where our confidence is as in Jesus Christ himself. And that kind of trust that he deserves and and that he demands is a wholehearted trust. Trust in the Lord with all your what? Heart. And so he demands that. He deserves that, does he not? He deserves that. Think about what he did for you. Uh, There's a story of a man crossing a a frozen winter, uh, a frozen river one winter's day. And that man, he didn't know how thick the ice was. He'd never been there before. And he's so nervous, he starts crawling around on all fours, you know? He's like, you know, just literally all fours on his hands and his knees. And and all of a sudden, he hears some clattering behind him. He's like, what is that noise? Something's coming behind me. And it was a man pulling two horses and a big whole wagon. And that man was just confident because he knew the ice. Uh, he knew exactly what he was doing. And that man was on his, on his hands and his knees. He, he was ashamed because uh, he was scared. He was, he was doing this half-hearted. Too many Christians are like that man down on all fours. They're just creeping along. They're, they're way too cautious. Their trust in the Lord is only half-hearted. And then along comes a wholehearted Christian, and I believe that wholehearted Christian changes the tone for everyone around. Is that you? Which man are you? The one that's very cautious, it's barely crawling through life, not sure. Or are you the man that's just sold out? It's trust. You're just trusting in God. This Hebrew word that's translated trust It means to throw oneself down onto one's face, to lie down, spread eagle, and complete reliance. And to make this graphic as I can is to do a belly flop on God with all our sin and all our failure and all our fears. That's what that word means. We stake everything on the gospel promises of God, do we not? If God fails us, we are damned. If God comes through, we are saved forever. Real trust is that blunt and is that daring and is that simple. That's what real trust is. A.W. Tozer, he nailed it. He said this, pseudo-faith always arranges a way out to serve in case God fails it. But real faith knows only one way and gladly allows itself to be stripped of any second way or makeshift substitutes. For true faith, it is either God or total collapse. And not since Adam stood up on the earth 
has God failed a single man or woman who trusted him? End quote. Friend, I'm calling you today at this moment to trust in God with all your heart, to lean on Jesus Christ with everything that shames you, with everything that holds you back, everything that terrifies you. I'm calling you to trust him, to trust him with all that you are and all that you have. Let your full weight down on him. He will never fail anyone who trusts him. He never will. There's no pseudo-faith because he's no pseudo-savior. He is real. He is all that he claims to be. He is right now all he's ever been to anyone everywhere. And if you don't know him here tonight, he offers his total self to you today on the terms of his total grace. But what he deserves and demands is your total trust and the love and mercy and the wisdom of God and Christ Jesus alone. That's what he deserves and demands. Are you doing that? Are you doing that in your daily life, the daily grind of life? And how, so how can you tell if your trust is wholehearted? How can you tell if you're exercising your faith? None of us want to be, be half-hearted, do we? Hope not. Think about this. When you were 10 years old and someone asked, what do you want to do when you grow up? Well, you didn't say something wishy-washy. I just want to be a wishy-washy. You don't say that. For the fellas, you might want to be, you know, green beret, you know, handsome in uniform. I don't know. For the ladies, my little girl wants to be a paint artist and a hair salon girl. You know, I don't know what even that means. For me personally, I want to be the shortstop for the Braves or an Elvis impersonator, you know? <laughs> Two things, three things. I can't play baseball, I don't have any hair, and I can't sing, you know? So it didn't work out. But as Christians, today, we want to be all out for Christ, do we not? That's what we want to be. We are Christ followers, Christians. We want to be sold out for Jesus, So I want want us to examine ourselves. So here's two diagnostic questions for the wholehearted trust in the Lord when it comes to exercising your faith. First one is this. Do you let the Bible overrule your own thinking? Do you let the Bible overrule your own thinking? It says in verse five, do not lean on your own understanding. Do you merely agree with the Bible or do you obey the Bible? There's a difference. If you merely agree with the Bible, then your response is not obedience, but coincidence. It's just that those prejudices you have soaked up from your culture, from Fox News or conservatism or whatever it may be, happen to line up with the Bible at that point. But when you, but when, but what do you do when the Bible contradicts what you want to be true? When the Bible challenges your thinking, what do you do? If you're looking in the Bible for excuses to do what you want to do, well, you've already rejected God. But if you trust God with all your heart, you will let the Bible challenge your most cherished thoughts and feelings because that's what it does. And the wonderful thing is this, the Lord cares about your questions. The Lord cares about your problems. He wants to speak to those questions and those problems and those little things in your life in ways that will help you. And if you will trust him wholeheartedly, and go to his word, 
you will let him teach you. That's what Christians do. Second question, diagnostic question. When was the last time you took a risk to obey Christ? When was the last time you took a risk to obey Christ? Uh, When was the last time you diminished your future, either socially or financially or professionally for his sake? When was the last time your life looked obviously different from the life of someone who does not trust Jesus at all? If you never surprise an unbelieving friend or family member by your sacrifices for Christ, it's probably because what you're living for is the same earthly payoff that he or she is living for. But if you trust the Lord entirely, you will also trust him exhaustively across every area of your life. You will will literally, verse six, literally translates, know him in all your ways. You will know him in all your ways. And he promises to direct the course of your life straight on where you want to go. He'll make your straight, uh, make your paths what? Straight. He'll make your paths straight. That's just a wonderful assurance. And if you'll let him rule as Lord over the whole of your life, he will so enter your story and he'll make straight your path so all things will work together for your good. That's what he's saying in these verses. So here's a question. Are you trusting him with all your heart? Are you exercising your faith? God doesn't steer a parked car. You have to exercise your faith. This is another insight for the daily grind. We were to befriend wisdom, to feast on his word, to acquire wisdom, to, to live it out. And we were to exercise our faith. Are you doing that? Number three, if you're taking notes, make wise plans. Turn with me to Proverbs 16. Make wise plans. And as we travel down the path of God's will, wisdom is our guide. Uh, We are to take steps of faith, which propel, propel us forward down this path. And at that same time, we are to anticipate the future and make plans that will facilitate what we perceive the direction of God is leading us. God has given each of us a mind. He's given each one of us a mind, and we are to use it in seeking to know his will for each of us. He has given us the capacity to think, to analyze, to compare, speculate, to reason, apply logic, deduce, and to draw conclusions. All these mental capacities are to be used in the pursuit of the knowledge of God's will as we walk through the grind of a Christian life. We are to make wise plans. Proverbs 16, look at verse one. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. So this proverb, it does not put down the making of plans under the purview of God's sovereignty, but it actually encourages it. God expects us to make our plans to guide us in the future. We should gather all the facts we can and to assess them and compile an action plan that will best steer us to the appointed goal. That's what we're supposed to do. Look at verse three. It says, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be what? Established. God wants us to plan our works and then to work out our plan, committing it all to him. That's what we are to do. Look down to verse nine. Proverbs 16, verse nine. The man of 
The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his what? Steps, his steps. This presupposes that we will make our plans under the direction of God's leadership. We are to use our mind for God's glory to strategize our steps. That's what we are to do. We are to make wise plans. Turn with, me, turn with me to Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19, a couple chapters over. Proverbs 19, verse 21. It says this, Many plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. So again, God expects us to make our plans for the future. And when our plans are off target, he overrules and has a way of getting us back on target. That's what he does. So let me ask you this. What plans do you need to make regarding the future of God's will for your life? Are you making any plans? Or are you just trying to stumble along life? We are to make wise plans. Do you need to be saving money? Do you need to be paying off debt? Do you need to be pursuing a degree? Do you need to be serving in a particular ministry? Do you need to be seeking new employment? Do you need to be using your time more efficiently? Do you need to be getting in better shape physically? Do you need to be bolstering your prayer life? Do you need to be adjusting your lifestyle? What do you need to do? What kind of wise plans do you need to make to walk along God's will? Planning is vital to stewarding and investing our limited time and energy well, especially if we really want our lives to make much of God. If you want your life to make much of God, you need to make wise plans. You can't just be a couch potato and watch Netflix. But remember this, Proverbs 27, verse 1. You can turn there. But remember this. Here's the key. Remember this, Proverbs 27, 27, 27. Verse one says, but remember this, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring forth. This is a reminder that if we think we can dictate tomorrow through good planning, we may be even more foolish than those who refuse to plan. We do not know or control what tomorrow may bring, but that does not mean we should not give some serious thought to tomorrow. We are. It means we are to take all our plans with open, open hands and our heads bowed. That's what we do with our plans. God knows infinitely more than you and me, and he can do infinitely more than we can. So should we be surprised in the least when he has planned differently than we have? The answer is no. Just plan on this. He will change your plans. You already know this. He will. Just plan on it. He will. But that doesn't render our plans a waste. It doesn't make our plans a waste. Faithful planning flourishes in those moments because it's not focused on control. That's not the whole point of making wise plans. It's not about control, but it's, the focus is on the faithfulness and worship of God. We make plans for that. I believe disruptions become welcome reminders that God is real and that he is almighty and that his plans are always prove, always prove wiser than my plans. In other words, God is God and I ain't. Disruptions are a welcome reminder. So insight number one, 
for the daily grind of walking God's will. Befriend God's wisdom. Number two, exercise your faith. Number three, make wise plans. Make wise plans. Number four, for the insights from God for the daily grind of walking God's will. Number four, and finally, seek good counselors. Seek good counselors. Go back to Proverbs 12. We'll be all over. There's a couple in this one. Seek good counselors. Proverbs 12. It's God's desire to use other people to help point out the way of his will to us. That's his desire. Sometimes others have a better vantage point from which they see things that is marked out for us to take. These people, Proverbs calls counselors, counselors. And that counselor may be a spouse or a friend or a teacher or an older man or a woman or a pastor or a prayer partner. We are to seek these good counselors. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man is he who listens to counsel. The fool thinks he knows better than others. That's what a fool thinks. He's an idiot. The wise person is humble enough to learn from the experience of others and has the ability to discern good counsel. Uh, quickly, you can write these down. Proverbs 15, 22 says this, Without consolation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. So no matter how well thought out your plans are, without counsel of others, they're probably not going to succeed. Proverbs 20, verse 5, a plan in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding draws it out. The plan that should be implemented may already be deep within your heart, may be deep within your soul. It just hasn't been brought to the surface yet. But a wise counselor is able to penetrate his inner thoughts and help bring it to the surface. That's what counselors do. Good counselors too. Proverbs 20, verse 18, prepare plans by consultation and make war by wise guidance. That's really simple. If experienced generals seek counsel as they wage war, shouldn't we seek counsel for the battles of life? That'd be stupid not to. The generals seek counsel to wage war against other countries. They have a plan, they have a tact. They seek counsel about it. Should we not, as Christians, use the body, the church, older people, prayer partners, pastors, parents, whoever it may be, to seek out help, counsel for the battles of everyday life? You'd be stupid not to. That's what the Bible's saying. Proverbs 23, verse 22, listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. Verse 23, buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. One of the primary sources of counsel in Proverbs is, is one of, the one of parents, even when you're no longer living with them and they're old. This is what you should receive for them, truth, wisdom, instruction, and understanding. And this presupposes that these parents are believers who walk with God. They know you as no one else knows you, and they love you as no one else can love you. If you have believing parents in your life right now, that is a blessing from heaven. Use it. Use them. They know you better than anybody. Use them as counsel. You have a gift. It's a, it's a wonderful opportunity if you have believing parents. Not everyone has believing parents. Use them for counsel. 
Proverbs 27, verse 9. Oil, oil, that's how you, but it's really pronounced oil. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, so a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. A friend's counsel is sweet and pleasant as a fragrance from perfume. That's what it's saying. But not everyone is a good counselor, so we must choose wisely to whom we listen. Of course, 20 foolish advisors are no better than one, so the kind of counselors one seeks makes all the difference in the world. A multitude of counselors won't help if all those counselors are fools, if all those counselors are stupid. It won't help. You need to seek good counselors. Human beings are fallible. Just remember, even the good counselors No one gets it right 100% of the time. The wisest and most godly among us are still subject to human error. They still are. I believe we set ourselves up for disappointment and often disaster when we build our lives or our ministries based upon the counsel of just one person. It's good to surround yourself with trusted advisors, a multitude of counselors, realizing that even wise people can see many things differently. You are to seek good counselors. And as you have these multitude of counselors, it's valuable because those varied viewpoints give you a healthier foundation upon which to form opinions. God has given you a mind. He's given you others in your life to help you. And use all those varied opinions and that that good, wise counsel, and you are to make a decision. And we make those soundest decisions when we fully, when we have fully investigated the issue from many angles, and we sought the Lord's wisdom, and we move forward in faith. You are to seek good counselors as an insight for the daily grind of life. Do you seek counsel from other godly people? Do you? Or do you, are you just in, live in isolation, which Christians are not called to do? It's not healthy. You are a part of a church. God has given the church for one of these reasons. We have one another. Seek good counselors. So the insights for the daily kind of walking God's will. Befriend God's wisdom exercise your faith, make wise plans, and seek good counselors. Uh, These insights, these four for the daily grind, it's just a tip of the spear in the book of Proverbs. It really is. It's signing probably the four best. It's the four that was on my mind and heart. Uh, This book, this book of Proverbs, it deserves our endless fascination. It's a book I hope you just really dive into. When we were at Disneyland the other day, um, to wrap this up, Addison really wanted to ride this ride. I still can't remember. I had to write it down. It's called Casey Jr. Circus Train. Never even heard of it. Didn't even know what it was. And she was like, oh, Daddy, it's, it's over there by Dumbo. It's over there to the left. I know exactly where it is. Now she's four. You know, I'm just looking at her. And I think it's like her sixth time this year. Haley goes a lot. You know, it's just a... It's just what they do. And so I just kind of pay for everything. It's kind of my role, you know? And so I said, okay, never heard of it before. I couldn't find it. You know, it's, 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 it's crazy. It's nuts. People are everywhere, you know? And she's like, daddy, 
Just look at the map. It's right there. Just look at the map. That's what she said to me. And you know what? I opened up the map on the phone, and it was right there. Casey's, Casey Jr. Circus Train. Everything I needed was right there. You and I have been given a map, if you will. We have been given a map. We have been given the word of God by which we can know him better, and we have it so that we can live the Christian life. And through the book of Proverbs, God coaches us in the wisdom we need throughout the grind of everyday life. This book works when we deliberately slow down. Slow down when you read this book and obviously the rest of the books. Slow down, listen, think, journal, pray. You're spending time with God. Uh, For many years, Billy Graham, he read one chapter of the book of Proverbs every day in order order each month because there are 31 chapters in the book. And we need that too. Christian, it's time to get off our information high and pick up the Bible and go deep. We have access to information like it's nothing. It's time to get off that high and get in the Bible, and get serious, to get deep. It's time to get real, as the junior hires would say. Are you doing that? But the biggest challenge, I believe, is not our outside surroundings. It's not the sinful world. It's not that those outside things that get us boggled. It's eternal to ourselves. We bring a precondition into our counseling sessions with Jesus. That's what we bring. We are sinners born proud, born defensive. It makes, makes us negative. It makes us whiny, makes us suspicious, makes us unsatisfiable. It makes us squander our opportunity in life. Until we come alive to God, it seems cool to stand aloft and laugh at everything, make fun of everything, feel superior, but it's foolish. It's stupid. And we're not neutral. We do not have our little devilish nature sitting on one shoulder and a little angelic being on our other shoulder telling us which way. No, we we have no angel. We only have a devil of a heart telling us we are angels, and we believe that. Theologians call that original sin, and it's real. That's how we're born. We hate correction. We need Jesus to save us, and he came to do just that. And if you trust in Jesus... You are reborn by grace into newness and repentance and freedom. And you get to listen to the wonderful counselor who loves you more than you love yourself. That's who he is. The Savior who loves you more than you even love yourself. 
And that new humility is the fear of the Lord and it's the beginning of wisdom. And Christ has left everything that we need to know for the daily grind of life in his word. He's left it in his book, the Bible. And he wants to be at the true center of the mundane things. He wants to be at the true centers of the daily grind of your life. And that's when you learn to be wise. And that's when you learn to really how to live. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the book of Proverbs, Lord. It's, it's different than other books for sure. But Lord, it's still your word from heaven. Lord, life is hard. Yes, for those of us who know Christ, our sins are forgiven. We are justified because of you, your life and your death. But Lord, in this process of sanctification, it gets dirty. We get dirty. Lord, your promise, your word says, he who began a good work will complete it. Lord, help us walk this life. Help us be more like you. We thank you for these insights for the daily grind. I pray that every one of us will just befriend wisdom. I pray that we'll exercise our faith, that we'll fully trust in you. I pray that we make plans. We make wise plans plans that make sense to your word and your will for our life. Lord, and I pray in all that we seek good counselors to help us. Lord, thank you so much for your grace and mercy. It's a privilege to have your word in our language. We can read it. I pray we saturate it, saturate our minds and our hearts and our souls. I pray that we give our life to this book, to you, for your glory. Lord, and the ones in this room who do not know you, I pray you open up their minds to let them know they are a fool right now. That they are a fool. But Lord, in your grace and your mercy, you have sent your son and they can know you. <laughs> they can know you for all your worth through your son and his word. I pray that you save them. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. He's our best friend. I pray that you continue to make us more and more like him. And I pray though, Lord, especially our Bible study, Lord, we are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. We can't be that in this sin, sick, perverse world unless we get deep into your word, unless we get real with your word and live it out. We can't do this without your spirit and without you. So we thank you for all that. We ask this in your son's precious name, in the name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen.